Silent screams bounce around my head like an impending storm, brewing into a force that will escape in a wild dance of chaos and be lost forever if I don't stop to write them down. Hi, this is Mark Leslie, and you're listening to Prelude to a Scream, Episode 2, The Poetry Session. What I'm going to do here is actually read to you from a few of my poems. Uh, and rather than save the notes till the end, like I'd been originally planning on doing, I'm actually going to give you the notes on each poem after I read the poem. Uh, because they're very short segments, I'm going to uh, assume it makes more sense to do it that way rather than wait till the end and talk about them all at the same time. Uh, again, you're probably going to find in this particular podcast that I talk a hell of a lot longer in the notes section than I do in the actual reading. But what are you going to do? In any case, uh, the poems I'm going to read are in order. Electric Fire, Steel Shell Gold Heart, Tiger Soul, A Man, His Son, and Their Dog, and finally, Daddy's Girl. What I think is a nice selection of the different types of poetry that I've written over the years. Alive, electric fire burns. Is that how it felt for you, she says? More a statement than a question, and reaches over the side of the bed, her hand clawing along the floor for the package of cigarettes. I look at her, really look at her, at those lost and quiet eyes which make me feel sad, as if they're searching me, digging through my soul, looking for something, longing for something and all the while afraid she'll never find it. I look at her as she digs out a cigarette and lights it. She lights a second one for me, knowing full well that even though I don't smoke, I'll have one just the same. I look at her, and maybe this time I'll tell her the truth, that no, all I felt was a maddening fury, a hardness that I had to be rid of, and that she was merely the instrument for it all. I look at her, and see in her face the keen desire to learn, to listen to what her poet-lover thinks, to what her poet-lover feels. And again, yet again, as I have so many times before, I take the offered cigarette and tell her that when I'm with her, I'm alive, and that an electric fire burns within me. A poet in her eyes, a liar just the same. I actually started this poem by writing down the words, Alive, Electric Fire Burns. I had no idea what I was going to do with it when I put those words down, and then suddenly the female voice came to me, Is that how it felt for you? And then I knew what the poem was about. It was about a poet and his lover. And the poet is a callous, cold, calculating person who his lover believes is a sensual, soft, and warm literary man who is passionate about life and embraces everything with great passion. And he's at least sensitive enough to know that she would be destroyed if she knew how cold and calculated his every step was. And that's basically what the, uh, what I was trying to uh, arrive at in the, in the sort of exchange between the two characters in this poem. 
Uh, I think it's more more along the lines of one of my more literary types of poems, and uh, and I rather like it. Uh, this poem was actually published in 2006 in the winter-spring issue of Hammered Out. It's Hammered Out number 8, and I was rather pleased uh, that it was published in such a fine literary journal alongside uh, some remarkable works of poetry by uh, writers not just from Hamilton, but uh, writers uh, from across Canada. She is barely awake when, with a sad heart, I leave her each morning to engage in a full day of flirting with my big city mistress, the daily love-hate relationship which goes nowhere, yet I can't resist the coy and glamorous charms. And each night, well after the sun has set, despite my daily betrayal, my true love welcomes me back, comforts me in her warm embrace, my home, my city. My Hamilton. Steel Shell Goldheart was actually originally titled Mistress, and uh, I actually wrote the poem specifically as a writing warm-up exercise. I wrote it on the GO train one morning, thinking about what my experience was leaving Hamilton every morning and uh, going to my big city job and then coming back to Hamilton. I thought I'd try and parallel that so you'd think he's actually leaving his wife and seeing a mistress during the day and then coming back to his wife at night. And I thought it was a neat parallel to play with. And I eventually changed the title of the poem from Mistress to Steel Shell Gold Heart, which is, uh, I guess, the way I feel about my uh, wonderful city of Hamilton. Tiger Soul etching claws deep into an otherwise untouchable night. Tiger soul, hungry to taste the sweetness of life. Tiger soul, free, despite the lack of clarity, lack of resolve. Tiger soul, tiger spirit. Tiger soul. When I wrote this poem, I was actually uh, thinking originally about the, the poem Tiger, tiger, burning bright in the forests of the night, what immortal hand or eye could frame thy fearful symmetry? I love that poem, and so when I first wrote Tiger Soul, that's what I was thinking of. And then I started to think more about Tiger Soul and what it might mean. And I thought back to specific women um, whom I had actually fallen head over heels in love with. And I think the reason I'd fallen for them was because of their tiger soul, this this passionate spirit that burns so bright, that etched claws deep into an unfathomable night. And and it was an ironic twist because the, the passion and spirit that I so fell in love with was what uh, had them elude me in the end. And I guess I eventually finally found the, the tiger soul uh, that I was meant to be with when I met Francine because rather than chase her tiger soul. Um, her tiger spirit and tiger soul seemed to have merged so comfortably with mine, and and then we were happy. And I don't consider myself to have a tiger soul, but I'm definitely blessed that I have Francine's in my life now.
a man, his son, and their dog, sit quiet, ever still. They are dark silhouettes against an intense fire-red display of the waking sun in the eastern sky. The haunting call of a loon in the distance, and a duck flaps its wings, takes flight above the lake, slicing cleanly through the picturesque scene. The dog whimpers, leans forward, looks askance at the boy. The boy himself turns his head slowly to regard his father. The man nods, smiles, then returns his gaze to the mist rising off of the lake. In that silent exchange against the orange-tinted morning sky, a mutual respect and love are shared in a way that can never be spoken, but which still carries more power, more beauty, than any sunset or sunrise. Back in 1996, Francine and I were browsing through Carlingwood Mall in Ottawa and uh, discovered this beautiful painting. It was a orange and yellow and black painting on a slice of of wood, which actually still had the bark on it. Uh, the bark actually served as the frame for the top and bottom, and it was of a uh, a man and looked like a younger man with a rifle and a dog, and there were ducks on the lake in front of them. And uh, we bought it for my father. It was a gift for Father's Day. But what I also gave to him for Father's Day was uh, the poem, A Man, His Son, and Their Dog, which I wrote, which was inspired by that painting. One of the wonderful things about it was my father took the poem and had the poem copied onto a translucent sheet, added it to a uh, a slice uh, from uh, a tree stump, and varnished it, and had that uh, poem uh, that he had put onto the tree stump and varnished so beautifully beside the painting. When he passed away, I uh, inherited them both, of course, and they do occupy a space right on the wall in uh, in the den where I do most of my writing. And I'm very proud uh, of this achievement because it not only merged my father's creativity with my own, but this poem was also one of the ways in which I let my father know how much I loved him um, while I had that chance. She has her daddy's eyes, in a jar up in her room. It took a while to dig them out, because she'd used a spoon. She has her daddy's hair, and with it his whole scalp. She hacked it off with a dull steak knife, but knew a sharper one might help. She has the rest of her daddy's parts, stashed in a steel-tight drum. She fancies herself a daddy's girl, but she looks more like her mum. Dark humor poetry. That is my favorite poetry to write. Don't get me wrong, I do like to um, craft up images and thoughts and emotions into a, a poem, but dark humor is where it's at for me. I really have a good time with, uh, with that in my poetry, and that's exactly what Daddy's Girl is. I debated uh, back and forth for a while about the last line, uh, wondering uh, she fancies herself a daddy's girl. 
but she looks more like her mom. I considered modifying that too, but she acts more like her mom and maybe draw some sort of illusion that her mom is a maniac killer as well. But I thought I'd just leave it at that and, again, not take myself so damn seriously. She looks more like her mom. Ha ha ha. End of poem. Although I like to write poetry, just like I like to write fiction, and I like to write plays, and I like to write stories and novels and blog posts, I've never really considered myself a poet. I guess maybe because I, I never took my poetry writing that serious. I've probably written maybe two to three hundred different poems. Uh, a lot of them are dark humor poems. A lot of them are those, oh my god, they rhyme poems. Poems don't rhyme. Real serious poets don't write rhyming poetry. I, uh, but I just write poems when I have something that I have to express. And whether it is a poem that just captures a moment for me, whether it's a poet, a poem that captures something I'm feeling or something I saw, or whether it's just a poem that I'm writing to have fun with. Sometimes I, I write poetry, um, when I'm warming up in my writing, I, I slap a few words down on, on the page and, and those words draw other words, which draw other words. And the next thing I know, I've written this little thing that becomes a poem. Um, for me, poetry is, is just that. Poetry is a series of words that I was able to grab out of the air and happen to slap together. And they seem to work as a poem uh, better than they would work as a story or better than they would work as a, a longer piece of writing. Uh, I love poetry. I love to read poetry. I, I don't love all poetry. Um, probably in any particular poet's writings, I absolutely adore one or two or three or four of their pieces. They just come home uh, uh, to me and, uh, and just leave me with this great feeling. Uh, I love song lyrics as well. To me, song lyrics are just poems put to music. So, uh, for me, poetry is, uh, is out there. It's everywhere. And I rather enjoy it. But, uh, again, I don't consider myself a poet so much as a writer who happens to write poetry. And that concludes the general content for Prelude to a Scream, Episode 2, The Poetry Sessions. Thanks so much for listening. You can send me comments to mark at marklesley.ca or swing by my blog, marklesley.blogspot.com. I would love to hear from you. Stay tuned for next episode in which I return to horror. I will be revealing a sneak peek at the audio version of my online thriller, I Death. The music in today's podcast has been provided by the talented Kevin McLeod of Incomtech.com. This entire work is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivative, which means you can copy it as many times as you like, you can send it to as many friends as you like, you can hug it, you can love it, you can call it George, it can be your own. Just please don't use it for commercial purposes, and please do not use derivative forms of it. Again, I'm Mark Leslie. This is Prelude to a Scream, Episode 2. Thank you so much for listening, and have a great day.